Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, and active engineer in the high tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically, the same way Jesus did it. Today I have the privilege of having my good friend and fellow founding member of the Ambassadors Forum, Adrian Toder, with me on the show today. Adrian has spoken at lots of conferences, done a lot of youth group Q&As, high school chapels, taught adult Sunday school. He's even hosted this radio show. And most importantly, he lives out the mission of apologetics with his own kids in his own living room and around the dining table every single day. Adrian, welcome to the show. Hey, pleasure to be back. Well, you and I will be leading a Friday forum next week on Friday, February 18th called Questions That Christians Hope No One Will Ask Them. So let's start it off there. Have you ever been asked a question as a Christian that you were just terrified and you were like, oh, no, I really wish I didn't get asked that. I don't know what to do. Yeah, each time God sends more challenges my way, I think. Do you have like kind of a system or a process that you use or that you've learned over the years? Or do you just kind of try and roll with it every single time? The advice I got from reading Greg Kogel's book, Tactics, has really helped. And that's ask questions because when you're asking questions, you're not forced into saying, well, I've got the answer because I'm this guru sitting on the mountain. You can clarify just with questions. And you can say, look, that is a, an excellent question. Tell me more. Why do you believe this way? What's your big challenge there? And you can walk away without giving an answer so that you can get yourself time to study. So if a question comes that's too hard, you say, man, that's a fantastic question. I never thought about that one. Tell me more. And when you're done, you say, let me think about it. Let me go back and get you an answer. One of the things I've learned about Christianity is that there are answers. Sometimes they're difficult or hard to find. And it takes more than just, uh, I Googled it for, for 30 seconds and I found an answer. So taking the pressure off of being forced into a witty, quick answer every single time is good, I think. It makes conversations a little more easy to have. Sometimes I have answers. Sometimes I have very quick answers because I've heard them before. Other times... Right. Yeah, give yourself a little time to think about it. It's funny. I I remember my kids early on, they came to me and they're like, you know what, Abba? Just knowing that there are answers, it changes the game. And they're like, you know, I might not know the answer right now. I might not know a friend who knows the answer. But just knowing that they're out there somewhere was really comforting. And so... That was probably one of the things that just kind of changed their whole faith for them was getting that confidence. And they got that confidence by seeing a tough question, watching it kind of dissected into its parts and analyzed and then kind of thoroughly researched and thought through. And once you see that two or three or four or five times, you really do start to build confidence. You don't need to see a hundred questions answered. You only need to see a couple and pretty soon you pick up on it. I think that's true. I think sometimes the best example we can be is somebody who takes thinking seriously and does provide good answers. And 
and at the same time also is honest about the tough challenges. There's a place to say, I'm learning this area. But again, you're right. Once you've given 10, 12, 15 good answers, that 16th one, if it's a little short of being perfectly solved and wrapped up in a bow, <laughs> right. it's not as big of a deal when you've right. gotten 15, 20 beforehand yeah. that are solid. Exactly. You brought up a point. Sometimes you, um, you know, at a lunchroom and you hear somebody or maybe at church or at a backyard barbecue and you hear a Christian just give this lousy answer. By lousy, I mean it's unbiblical or it's really, it misrepresents the truth of Christianity. Do you usually go to the person who gave the answer? Do you try and follow up with the person who asked the question? What do you do in those situations? Those can be mm. tough. They are. And I actually recently was in a discussion with a young person who was defending homosexual behavior among Christians, also trans ideology. It was kind of a, um, a group of pretty much all Christians, but this one young person was kind of promoting, I would say, unbiblical ideas. And somebody in the group kind of spoke up and said, well, I think homosexuality is disgusting. I think we should be arresting homosexuals. And on top of that, they proceeded with this very bitter and angry diatribe against homosexuals. And it was like, obviously, you kind of cringe at this because here's a young person who's having these genuine questions, struggling with their their thinking on this. And and here's an older person giving this like just cringy answer and... (laughs) And you could see the, the young person just kind of sinking, like, these are my mentors, these are my the people that I look up to, giving what would say the Christian answer, which was, sounded so hateful. I think we have a responsibility at that point to just step in and say, okay, let me give a different point of view here. And yeah. then hopefully correct some of that thinking, because it was, you kind of have an opportunity to, to fix some of this beforehand. Because I think in every religion, and every ideology, there are going to be people who give bad answers to it, but that's not representative necessarily of that entire ideology. I think one of the things that I've found useful or effective in that situation, again, it's always gentle. It's always with respect and humility, but you're right. Sometimes you just have to jump in and say, hold on, <laughs> here's another perspective or one way I've thought about it. Or, you know, one thing that I've noticed is, and what I try and do, especially when you're given answers about Christianity, I really try hard to somehow tie it to some biblical principle. If you can tie it to a Bible verse, you know, that can be really helpful and just say, you know, I understand that that's the way some people feel or whatever, but what I found is, and then you kind of go straight back to the Bible and you say, I think this is what, how God has made it, or I think this is, you know, what makes sense to me. And then you go back to the Bible And almost every time the cringy answer person doesn't go to another Bible verse and say, well, you know, that's an interesting thing. But there's another Bible verse that says because they never had a Bible verse in the first place. They were just pulling it out of their own opinion or pulling it out of, you know, some book they read, which also misrepresented Christianity. And so I think as apologists, anytime we can go back to the Bible we're on absolute sure footing. You know, we're on solid mm-hmm. ground. Once you kind of just get that into your rhythm, into you know how you do things, I think it gets a lot easier. Absolutely. We have that responsibility to make God look 
good as he is. In other words, when we're asked the questions that we don't like or watch other people give terrible answers, we've been kind of trusted as the stewards of God's reputation. And oh, heaven help us if we misrepresent him or represent him poorly. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I like about our ministry tagline at the Ambassadors Forum is make God known as he is. And it's a quote out of 1 John 3, 2, where it talks about, you know, we'll know God as he is. And sometimes, actually a lot of times, it stops people and you're like, well, yeah, of course you're going to make God known as he is. How else would you do it? It opens up a conversation to say, you know what, there's a lot of people that think they're making God known. But when you dig into it, they're really not making him known as he is. They're making him known as they think he is, or as they think he ought to be, or as they were taught he is, but they don't really have any sure foundation for it. And so it's a lot harder than it looks on the surface. Like you said, you have the responsibility, you have the accountability. The Bible talks about how you know people who teach are going to be held to a higher standard. It is our job as Christians to accurately reflect the nature and the works of the God who has saved us. Now, what I've also noticed, though, is we want to make God known as he is. The problem is more and more I'm finding that people just don't make God known at all. It's not that they make him <laughs> known poorly. They just don't make him known. And this yes. is going back to the topic here, which is questions you don't want to be asked. I find that a lot of times people who challenge me or, or ask these questions have never actually heard a Christian try to answer them. I remember back when same-sex marriage was a big topic and people were discussing it and so on. A friend of mine who was an unbeliever asked me about it. And I, before I answered, I remember I asked him, I said, do you have any idea what I might, Christian might say on this topic? And, mm. and he said, well, I'm assuming you're against same-sex marriage. And I said, sure, but do you know why I would be? Right. And he kind of hesitated because we were friends. And I sure. said, can I ask, say straight up, is it because you believe that we are homophobic and we hate gay people? Again, he was a nice guy, but he goes, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, but it sounds like you've never actually had a Christian give you an answer to any of this. And he said, that's right. I've never heard anyone actually defend this topic in a reasonable way. And so we yeah. had a, this great discussion around that because to him, it was all brand new. It was the kind of those questions that you, I don't say I don't like being asked, but are difficult because they come with a lot of baggage, a lot of preconceived ideas. Right. And now I have to unpack that in order to even start an answer where I'd say that those questions where there's an agenda or a preconceived idea that we Christians have hate, bigotry, and closed-mindedness to it, take some time to, to unpack. What I love about that approach and that example that you gave, Adrian, was all you did was you just asked questions in the beginning, you tried to reach out and say, hey, where are you coming from? What's your understanding on this topic? If I had two pieces of advice for every Christian out there who is scared that they're going to be asked questions that they don't have the answers to or they don't have good answers to, it's listen and ask questions. <laughs> and I think if every Christian could just be armed with those two practical tactics, I think a lot of people would be a lot more confident in their faith and a lot less, you know, ashamed and fearful. At our Friday forum, 
we're going to have a live audience. And so if you guys want to come to that, you can go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to basically poll the audience and say, you know, what are some of the questions that you hope you never get asked? Or what are some of the questions that you have been asked that you felt stuck on? And then we're just going to have a interactive time of practicing and we'll pull the audience not only for the questions, but also for the answers. You know, Adrian and I have been doing this for a while, but we don't have all the answers. And that's one of the things that I'm sure you've experienced as well, Adrian, is you're given a talk and you kind of pull the audience and you say, hey, does anybody have any good ideas out there? And lots of Christians do. And lots of Christians even have Bible verses that they can go back to, to anchor their points. So what do you think some of the questions that we'll probably encounter next Friday are going to be? Any off the top of your head? I think the ones that are on top of my head are the ones that I tend to get, right? So what's fun is polling a, a larger audience because you start to see where the culture is at. I know where my culture is at. And since my surroundings, I get certain challenges. And I've noticed that over the last decade, the challenges have changed somewhat. For example, of one that I'm dealing with right now, I have a relative who was an atheist for a very long time. And actually, they started coming back to the faith slowly, mm. going to church, doing a few things here. But in order to try to learn more, they decided to pick up a Bible and read it cover to cover. He began in the Old Testament, which admittedly can get rather difficult. And it reminded me of, of Mark Twain, who said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the ones I do. That's great. <laughs> He would bring up a lot of these Old Testament examples where God would order whole nations to be destroyed, right. uh, cities to be burned, men, women, children to be put to the sword. And he'd look at me and say, look, I'm reading the Bible like anybody else. And I don't know what to make of this because this sounds terrible. It was right. a genuine question. It wasn't sure. from somebody who just wanted to throw it in my face. It was just a genuine question. And it's been good to kind of force me into how do we view this as Christians? I've had this challenge also from straight up atheists who like really do want to just throw it in my face and say, you believe in this God who orders genocide. We have to be ready, I think, for those kinds of questions. And I do have a kind of a strategy of how to answer them. And I guess it depends on where the question is coming from. When I have this conversation with an atheist, the discussion is very different than when it's coming from somebody who's a believer who asks the question. I think that's a really good point, Adrian. And it's one of the things that makes answering questions on an internet chat room or an email or something really difficult because you don't know the context of the question. You don't know the person asking it. And so, you know, sometimes asking a question that's just hanging out there by itself with no context and no person it can be really challenging because, like you said, depending on who's asking it and why completely changes how you answer. So give a good example of that. Sure. So when I was challenged by an atheist friend of mine with some of these examples, we had been discussing morality. And it was interesting how for him as an atheist, morality was merely a social construct. There's no such thing as a real good or evil. Instead, <laughs> we had... And you kind of see where this is going. He brought yeah, up yeah, yeah. Old Testament <laughs> genocide. And so my question was, first, from my point of view, when I look at these situations, I realized God ordered the taking of innocent life. Some of these were children, right? And right. so I have to be faced with the fact that 
God as the author of life is the owner of life. He is well in his authority to take life as he sees fit, right? But I said, my question to you is, what's your problem under your framework with this situation? All right, that's good. So what's your complaint? I said, I thought we just had a whole discussion around how there is no such thing as good or evil. So what's your problem with this? And you can see that it's kind of struggling, right? At one hand, he's saying there's no such thing as good or evil. We kind of make it up ourselves. And yet the God of the Old Testament is evil. And, mm, and so I said, well, look, hold on, hold on. Under your framework, there's no problem with this because there's no such thing as evil. So what are you complaining about? Mm. And under my framework, there's no problem because God as the author of life is free to take it. The challenge makes no sense for the atheist. And I think, again, under a Christian framework, we have a we answer, at least for ourselves. It's not always satisfying because, again, everyone truly does believe in good or evil. And there's this like right. there's this visceral <laughs> feeling. This. I think there's also the notion that we've seen so many people kill in the name of God because of some fanciful idea that they might hold. Yeah. And they kind of relate this in the same way. But again, if you're taking the Bible seriously, the question is, does God have the authority to take his life? And I think the answer is yes. I really like how you point out that you need to be consistent in your entire worldview. You can't believe one thing on this side and then change positions to argue something else. And that's probably one of the most common things that I do is just point out the inconsistency of a person's thinking. You're not even saying, hey, I'm not even going to tell you whether this is right or that is right. I'm just telling you, you can't do both. So you have to choose. And I hope that people do that for us. If there's something where a Christian is being double-minded in their thoughts, I hope somebody comes alongside us and points out the air and says, look, you can't have it both ways. So that's a great example. So if a Christian asked you that and said, all right, Adrian, I get that God is the author of life. I get that he can do this. It's his sovereign authority, but it just bothers me. (laughs) How would you answer that the same or very similar question to somebody who's asking it from a completely different context? Oh, wait, something God is doing bothers you? You better go take up your complaint with the Lord Almighty and see if you <laughs> I have to agree with the person making the complaints, right? I Honestly, I have to agree. When I read certain sections yeah. of the Old Testament, it is uncomfortable to read certain things that God chose to do. But you're dealing with the God of the universe who has full authority to do as he will. Now, what we have to also understand is we don't have the full picture. So the way I answer this for myself is the way I would answer it to another Christian asking Mm -hmm. it. And that's, I don't have the complete picture. God does. And he has the right to do this based on information that you don't fully have. In other words, Mm -hmm. when he chose to judge these nations and he chose to also include Mm non-combatants in this judgment, we don't know the full picture of what was going on, what the non-combatants were involved in as well, whether or not there was some other calculation other than their particular guilt or innocence in joining in the particular things that the whole country was being condemned for. Why would God do this? Well, I'm going to totally speculate here, but what I do know is God is good and God has the authority to do as he will. So Mm, those two things leads me to know that in the circumstances where I feel uncomfortable, God is not under any obligation to make me feel comfortable because again, I don't have the complete information. I know that if I did, I know that if I had all the circumstances and all his knowledge of all the possibilities of what could happen under you know different circumstances and so on, I would 
obviously side with him because he is good and he is all-knowing. And that's the way that his decision-making works, I'm sure. sure. I would have a hard time sitting in judgment over God as if I am somehow able to do that. What I like about that, Adrian, is you're not painting Christianity in a light that is untrue or misleading. And an example is some Christians think that Christianity, once you're saved, you know, God's under obligation to make your life wonderful and no problems and successful and rich and you never have any trials. And that's just false. And so I think when certain preachers or maybe certain churches or denominations, they try and give people a false Christianity. And for a little while, it might make some people feel good, but you got to pay the piper sometime. And at some time that bill comes due and somebody says, hey, wait a minute, you told me when I joined your church or when I became a Christian that my life was going to be wonderful. That's why I did it. And it lasted for a week or a month or a year. But now here I am, I'm suffering this trial. And then I think you see Christians really just shaken in their faith. They lose their faith. They walk away. Big, bad things happen. We as Christians need to really resist that temptation to represent Christianity as something that it's not, because it always comes back to bite us in the end. I like how you're just honest and you're like, look, there's some things I don't know. There's some things I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> Let's search it out together and we know the truth is out there. But it's becoming harder and harder to come across both honestly and gentle. So what I mean is that another type of question that I find difficult are the, the more modern, like almost politically oriented social type questions when it comes to things like, when it comes to debate about transgendered issues, what we're now faced with is in merely defending Christianity, the other side views it as hostile or aggressive or bigoted. So merely holding another opinion becomes that way. So again, if you were to ask me, what questions do I fear being asked? Many times I don't fear them being asked them because they are difficult to answer, but rather they are immediately offensive, despite the fact that no offense is intended or even they're underlying the question, but rather it's primed to be this way. I feel like sometimes we do walk into a trap. And so I do think we need to be clever and cautious when a trap is being set to not just walk into that trap because you can't win and to just say, hold on a minute. You know, I'm willing to have a conversation. I'm willing to talk about this but you've set this up to be a no-win situation. This isn't a conversation. This is just a bashing. If you want to have a conversation, I'm willing to do that. I'd be glad to do that, but I'm not just going to sit here and yell at each other. We really want to focus on teaching people the process, the process of critical thinking, the process of analysis, the process of consistent, logical thinking. We're going to share some information. We're going to talk about some facts. I'm sure people are going to walk away with some answers to some particular questions. But I hope what we can accomplish is to equip people with a process that they can always use for any question in any situation. All right. Well, hey, thank you again, Adrian. It is always a pleasure talking with you. And 
you are a staunch ally and a good thinker and I think a good representative of the Christian faith. So thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much. Now, how about you? Have you been asked a question and been terrified that you didn't know the answer? Did you feel like if you were a better Christian, you'd have a better answer? Or if you were a good Christian, you'd have a perfect answer? God calls all of us to be equipped to give the reason for the hope that is within us. That is natural. It can be organic. No one expects you to be the perfect theologian. No one expects you not to make any mistakes. And certainly no one expects you to have all the answers at the drop of a hat. Our prayer for you today is to get involved. Get involved in some of your local community apologetics that are going on. You can visit our website at theambassadorsforum.com. The best of all is to come to our Friday Forum on Friday, February 18th. If you're in the Portland area, go to theambassadorsforum.com. You can get details around where and when. It'll be 7 p.m., 7 to 8.30. If you're a young person out there, we are going to give away free ice cream at the end of the night. So come and enjoy a bowl of ice cream on us. Ask us all your questions. Enjoy the discussion. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 